Why would a writer be vague? Writers are rarely aware they're being vague. Although, as we'll see in the following list, sometimes they actually do it on purpose. They tend to entrust their story to generics for three main reasons. Number one, the writer knows the story so well she doesn't recognize when a concept that's very clear to her will come across as utterly opaque to the reader. So when she writes, Renee looked at Osgood in his tight jeans, tussled hair, and ratty converse high tops, and smiled knowingly. She has absolutely no idea what it leaves us thinking. What do you mean knowingly? What's behind that smile? Her knowledge that Osgood's really a pretentious poser rather than a guileless hipster he pretends to be? That he's her dream guy and tonight's the night she's going to tell him? That she's pregnant with Axel's baby but Osgood will never be the wiser? It doesn't even occur to the writer to tell us because she knows exactly what smiled knowingly refers to. She assumes we do, too. Number two, the writer doesn't know the story well enough, so when Renee tosses her head and gives Osgood that knowing grin, it's because the plot needs her to. If asked about it, the writer might look at you quizzically and say, wait, you mean she needs more of a reason than that? Number three, the writer knows her story very well and is quite aware she hasn't told the reader what's behind Renee's knowing smile because she's afraid if she does, she'll give too much away. This often, rather, this oft misguided fear is something we'll be talking about in depth in chapter seven when we discuss reveals. And so, uh, I don't want to give too much away here. Whether it stems from the writer knowing too much or too little, or actually doing it on purpose, being vague is never a good idea. So to help you zero in on wherever vagueness may have crept into your story, here's a rundown of where the usual suspects tend to lurk. Six places where the specific often goes missing. Number one, the specific reason a character does something. Like most things, it can start off so promisingly. Holly, docked into the alley, glad to have avoided Sam for the millionth time. Unquote. Sounds great, right? Trouble is, unless we know that at that moment in the story why Holly has been avoiding Sam, it'll fall flat. It could be because he's been stalking her since 1967 or she's secretly in love with him and doesn't want him to see her on yet another bad hair day or she owes him money. Who knows? Each of these specific possibilities suggests a very different scenario, any one of which would make us help us make sense of what's happening in the moment and allow us to participate what might happen next. Without a specific, we have no clue. Number two, the, speci the specific thing a metaphor is meant to illuminate. Here's an interesting fact to add what we already know. Not only do we think in story and in images, but as cognitive linguist George Lakoff points out, although we may not always know it, we also think in metaphor. Metaphor is how the mind couches the abstract concepts in concrete terms. Believe it or not, 
we utter about six metaphors a minute. Prices soared. My heart sank. Time ran out. Metaphor is so ubiquitous, we rarely notice it's there. Ah, but literal, literary metaphor is something else again. It's intended to convey new insight. Literary metaphor isn't hidden. Its point is to recognize as such. To quote Aristotle's perfect definition, a quote, metaphor consists in giving the thing a name that belongs to something else. Unquote. The trouble is, sometimes the writer gets so carried away with crafting a beautifully written, evo evocative metaphor, he forgets to tell us what exactly the thing it's being compared to actually is. Here's an example. Begin excerpt. Something deep inside Sam was about to tear. He felt it pulling apart at the seams. He pictured it like a clumsy, teen's well-used softball. The stitching now a grimy gray. Grimy gray. Once that stitching pops, though, it'll become something else, as the cover peels off, so revealing something ugly and strange. Something you would never suspect had always been at the heart of that once-gleaming, achingly hopeful softball. And except, it's evocatively written, but because we have no idea what the something ugly and strange actually corresponds to in the story, or what point the author is trying to make other than something vague and unspecified inside Sam is going to rip like a softball, it is also uninvolving. Metaphors have resonance only when we know specifically what they're supposed to illuminate. Otherwise, although it definitely sounds like it's meant to tell us something really important, we're left thinking. I know this has a great significance, but I have no idea of what. Nor should we have to spend any even a nanosecond decoding a metaphor. It should be, quote-unquote, get a ball, get a ball, when reading at a clip and its meaning instantly grasped. What's more, metaphors need to give us new information and fresh insight rather than simply restating something we already know, no matter how poetically. Number three, the specific memory that a situation invokes is in the protagonist. Here's another great start. The minute Sam threw the stinky soft old softball at Holly, he knew it was a mistake. If only he'd learned his lesson during that unforgettable 11th inning at Lake Winnetonka camp for the clumsy during the summer of 1967, but sadly, no, he hadn't. We were left thinking, wait, what lesson? Why was it unforgettable? Because without the specifics, what actually happened back in 1967, we have no idea what Sam should have learned from it, how it applies to what's happening now, or what it's meant to tell us about the dynamic between Sam and Holly. Because the reader has no point of reference, the best she can do is make up something. This is even more maddening than it sounds, because she then have no way whatsoever of knowing whether she was right. And worse, since the chance of her actually envisioning the specifics the writer left blank are about as likely as either of us winning the lottery. She's now imagining a decidedly different story than the one the writer actually, quote, actually wrote. And number four, the specific reaction a character has to a significant event. Let's follow Holly and Sam a bit longer. Begin excerpt. 
Sam was terrified, terrified that if Holly spotted him following her again with the softball in his pocket, she'd not only mix, mix their spaghetti dinner rendezvous that night, but would finally take out that restraining order. He was so worried about it that he didn't notice he should stop to tie her shoe, and he tripped over her. Now she knew he'd been tailing her. There was no getting around it. The next day, Sam went to work, hopping, hoping. His boss was in a good mood because he wanted to ask him something that about that promotion. And we're left thinking, hey, wait a minute, wasn't Sam worried about what would happen when Holly find, found out how he was following her? What conclusion does he draw? What's the result, the consequence? How does he feel? Say something, anything. The fact that he's not reacting to And we're left thinking, hey, wait a minute, what's Sam worried about? What would happen when Ollie found out he was following her? What conclusion does he draw? What's the result, the consequence? How does he feel? Say something, anything. What's worse? Because he knew Sam was extremely concerned about it, the fact that he's not reacting an iota makes us wonder if he's made of flesh and blood at all. Hey, maybe aliens really are among us. I know this, ex this example seems extreme, but it's astoundingly common. Why? My guess is that well, since the writer does clearly told us I know this example seems extreme, but it was astoundingly common. Why? My guess is that since the writer clearly told us how much Holly meant to Sam, she figured we'd know exactly how Sam felt. So why should she have to waste time spelling it out? But although we can indeed imagine how Sam feels in general, S say it with me the story is in the specifics the point is characters need to react to everything that happens for a specific reason we can grasp in the moment of course there may be a deeper reason as well that we won't fully understand until later in fact the real reason for a reaction may be the opposite of what it looks like now Of course, there may be a deeper reason as well, as well that we won't fully understand until later. In fact, the real reason for a reaction may be the opposite of what it looks like now. But what there can't be, if you want your readers to stay with you, is no reaction. This is especially true when we've been led to believe that a character will be hugely affected by something that then doesn't cause him to bat an eyelash. It's one more reason to always keep in mind that the story isn't in what happens, it's in how your characters react to it.